What community sounds like. Stay open. Hey guys, this is Chris from Tap the Craft. I want to tell you about a new partner that we have for the show. B-Cups. B-Cups is the world's first line of style-specific beer cups for people on the go. Whether by the beach, pool, hiking, or on the boat, B-Cups are great for any place you can't use glassware. They're dishwasher safe, lightweight, BPA-free, recyclable, and so clear that they often get mistaken for glass. They come as four packs on Amazon.com, but two packs and variety packs are available on their website at bcups.net. That's B-C-U-P-S dot net. Go check it out. craft beer friends and welcome to season six episode 11 of tap to craft podcast i am denny loose coming to you from boise idaho and my partner in craft the wells bro all the way in tampa florida mr chris mckenzie how are you doing tonight and what is in your glass i am doing really really well denny Uh, it's been a long crazy day at (laughs) work today but uh now that i'm sitting back with a couple of beers and talking about beer and looking at beer and just thinking about nothing but beer. It just makes the night that much better. Uh, but in my glass tonight, I'm drinking a, a, a hazy IPA from uh, the Offshoot Beer Company, which I had never heard of before. And this came in uh, something I'm going to talk about in our, uh, our cheers section. Uh, but on the side, on the side of the can, it, uh, it says from your friends at the brewery, and I mean brewery as in B R U E R Y. So I was a little curious and looking at Offshoot Beer Company, which I thought was a really cool idea or a uh, name. Mm-hmm. And uh, come to find out, it's a subsidiary of the brewery based out in uh, Placentia, California. Oh, really? So th- do they focus on on doing different types of beers than what the brewery does? Um. So I know the brewery does a lot of those big heavy stouts yeah, and um, barrel aged stuff, and yeah, their Tarot series though those are a little more on like the the tart and um, like wild side, aren't they? I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, a lot of what I'm seeing as their offerings are more like uh, IPAs, New Englands, Imperials, okay, uh, triple IPA stuff like that. So um, the one I'm drinking is their. Relax. It's relax. Just a, just a hazy IPA. Yeah, just relax. Yeah. Yeah, hey, that's perfect for the night. We can just relax, drink, chat, learn. <laughs> I mean, it's not super hazy, but uh, I'm really enjoying it. Kind of nice. lemony. Yeah, ah, lemony. Works out pretty good. Cool. Yeah, there's a, and the can art's really simple, which I really like. It's um, a really small guy sitting in a, uh, a red and white striped inner tube on the ocean. Hmm. Uh, just blue water at the bottom, uh, yellow sky. He's sitting in the inner tube drinking a beer, and there's a big giant whale shark underneath of him. Wow, that's that's uh, relaxing right there. <laughs> yeah, so works out pretty good. So, how are you doing? And what's in your glass tonight? I, I'm doing well. I'm just trying to recover from uh, international travel, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm pretty tough. I'm an old man. Or I mean, starting to get pretty old, but I can outdo these youngins. I don't know. I'm. I, I guess I'm just built tough. 
I can just go, 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 and yeah. But yeah, I, I'm just a little tired, but but that uh, I'm glad to be home. Uh, but I will talk about. Yeah, I bet you are. Yeah, we'll talk about my trip. You know, I did have a lot of drinking during that one week I was away, and I'll talk about it in our event section. But I'm drinking. I am not drinking a hazy. You're drinking the hazy. I'm drinking a non-hazy IPA. Can you believe it that they still make those, those non-hazy things? But uh, well, you know what? Now I say that it's. It might be slightly hazy, but it's not labeled as a hazy <laughs> because now I'm looking at it in my glass with some light and it does look like it's not super clear. But I'm drinking from Mother Earth Brewing, their Primordial Double IPA or Imperial IPA uh, comes in at 9% ABV, nice Whoa. strong Imperial IPA. And it has a you know a lot of big citrus hop notes in there that's and not... And not necessarily like the tropical citrus, but more like just the regular old fashioned citrus, you know, the old the old school citrus hop notes. And I'm really enjoying it. I got a six pack of this. They're sixteen ounce cans. And you know what? I might have a couple of these, so stay tuned. I will probably uh you know be slurring and misspeaking a lot in this episode. Just forewarning, foreshadowing what's to come. So, all right. Well, hey, that's what I look forward to. Oh yeah, I know everyone does. Everyone does. I try to keep it professional for the most part. <laughs> sometimes I fall, I fall flat. But uh, let's get the show started, Chris. Uh, but before we do that, in case we have anyone new to Tap to Craft, uh, Tap to Craft podcast is an educational podcast. We like to focus around celebrating all things craft beer because we want to help our listeners along in their craft beer journeys. And you're listening to episode 141, 141, I like that number, recording on Monday, December 16th, 2019. And in this episode, we will be discussing all about open fermentation. Yes, we're getting deep into the process of making beer and talking about old school open fermentation, what it's all about, some history and the ins and outs of this and some breweries that you might be able to find in the United States uh, to try some of their open fermentation beers. And of course, I will talk about some of my beer experiences with my recent trip back to Israel. I know everyone's already heard me a number of times talking about all the beer scene in Israel, but I'm going to talk a little bit more because I had a good time and some great beer, as well as some great conversation between Chris and I. You can count on it, guaranteed. So, Chris... Let's get this conversation started and dive in to what our listeners are drinking according to Untapped. And I would love to. And it looks like people are drinking a lot of good stuff. Ooh. And the funny part is, is, <clears throat> is we go from, um, I was looking at what I thought was the, one of the most latest ones that I had. We, the big gap is we have a few from nine hours ago and then it jumps to a day ago. Whoa. So, what happened? Was I'm um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe just people weren't uh, weren't checking into things. So, what we're gonna do is I'm just gonna kind of look at the good and the ugly ones and see where we go from okay. there. And we're gonna start off with Johan Halberg. Ooh, yes. Drinking something simple, but one of my favorites, and I think a very good. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? A very <laughs> good, um, you know, starter craft beer. Oh, okay. 
Gateway. That's what it was. Yeah, Gateway. Uh, yes. Gateway beer. Uh, he's drinking a pale ale by Sierra Nevada. Oh, and, and And, you know, nothing, no huge ratings or crazy notes or anything. He gave it three and a quarter, uh, three and a quarter caps. But, uh, you know, that, that's one of my favorite beers, if, especially if I'm out and I can get it on tap or um, it's just a good one to grab a hold of when there aren't other options, but it's yeah. still a super solid beer, which I really do yeah. like. Yeah, fallback beer for sure. Yeah. Um, and then moving on to the next one, and I have to read this one because my name's in it. Ooh. It's from uh, Eric Gronley's drinking a black cherry by Mackenzie's Hard Cider. Oh, which I've had that one before, and it's a little on the sweet side, but it's still pretty good. <laughs> um, gave that one th- uh, three and three quarters caps. Yeah, it's sweet like you. Oh, uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, then uh, Johan Halberg again is drinking a hundred Citra by OO Brewing. Or it looks like O divided by O brewing or O over O brewing. <laughs> o over O. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah. it's, or zero over zero brewing. Um, and you gave that one three and three quarters caps. No notes on that one. But okay. it's 100% Citra IPA, 6.5% ABV. Yeah. That um, sounds good to me. I like Citra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Gronley again, drinking Flesh and Blood IPA oh. by Dogfish Head Craft Brewery. And speaking of Dogfish Head... Currently reading a book by them right or by, by Sam right now, and it's uh, it's called Off Centered Leadership, which has been uh, surprisingly uh, very good. I'm not normally one to well, I mean, I listen or read a lot of uh, like self development books and things like mm-hmm. that, and they normally bore the crap yeah. out of me. But this yeah. is interesting, probably because uh, it has a lot to do with beer. So, <laughs> yeah, he talks about a lot of his journeys through like working with Jim Cook. And this is a few years ago before they merged together and all this kind of the stuff that they went through. So it's kind of neat to, okay. uh, to read that. Nice. Um, and the dogs are barking now because Megan just walked in the door. Uh, but anyway, the uh, the Flesh and Blood IPA, Dogfish Head Craft Brewery, uh, four caps on that one, no notes. Um, Jeff Seiler is drinking a Santa Claw mm. by Westbrook. Westbrook Brewing Company writes really nice hazy holiday IPA, citrusy and hoppy. Thanks, Santa Claus. Merry Christmas to me. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, so, I like that. So, uh, so what is a what do you call it again? What, what it's a uh, what he he it's, it's a uh, Christmas IPA. I've never heard of like a Christmas IPA. Have you ever well, had a Christmas uh, IPA? Well, he said it's a really nice hazy holiday IPA. Oh, holiday, ha- okay, um, holiday. hazy and, holiday uh, IPA. And that's what's on the front of the can. He took a picture of the can too. Okay. Which is, uh, if you've ever seen Westbrook's Westbrook Brewing, they're, it's kind of their mo as far as their can art goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's like a, a stone crab on the front of it. He's wearing the stone crabs wearing a uh, Santa hat, and uh, you know it's just a. Christmassy colored inspired looking can and at the bottom it says hazy holiday Indian IP India pale ale. Okay. Okay. Uh, but kind of progressing a little further into it. All it says on the listing is hazy holiday IPA. <laughs> Very descriptive. Uh, thank you. Um, Westbrook. <laughs> yeah. And that's, uh, that's uh, you know, some people said, Hey, it's really good. I need some crab cakes to go along with it. Like, is it, <laughs> Uh, is it holiday crab cakes? I don't know. Too. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm always down for crab cakes, but anyway, moving on. He gave that one four caps. Uh, for moving on from there. Uh, the next ones that we're going to read are they're they're from three hours ago, but oh man, 
people are checking into a lot of beers right now. Um, JC is drinking a barrel aged toasted marshmallow milkshake stout. I got that all out. Um, and that's from Rochester Mills Beer Company. Oh. And they're, they're, um, milkshake stout they they've put out a handful of those uh, in the last few years i i remember having one from them called blueberry pancakes okay which was really good that, that sounds um, good but he writes on this one surprisingly thin which is something i remember from that blueberry pancakes a little a uh, little thin in the mouth uh but good whiskey and oak with dark chocolate lingering uh, three and three quarters caps on there okay. so it's good but it's just not what you expect from it yeah, yeah. Um, I'd expect a bigger mouthfeel if it's going to be called milkshake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just you. You always expect a yeah. mouthfeel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeff Seiler again, uh, drinking Higher Burning by LIC Beer Project. And he writes, tasty, hazy IPA from Queens, New York. Tropical and hoppy. My first hazy IPA from New York City. Excellent. Four mm. caps on that one. Okay. All right, next in line, Jane, Jim Kudzall is oh. drinking the Operation Breakfast by Flying Dog Brewery. Oh. And he writes, tastes better, a little warmed up. Yeah. Just the thing to sit by the fire on a cold, rainy day. Coffee and vanilla at 9.1 AV, wow. ABV. Nice. Uh, four and a quarter caps on that one. And that That's a little heavy for breakfast, don't you think? Depends on who you're asking. <laughs> I mean, I like something a little lighter for breakfast if I'm going to be... Uh... <laughs> Depends on how you like your coffee. Yeah. Well, good for Jim. I hope he had it early this morning. Oh, no, he just had uh, it a few hours ago. Three hours ago. Three hours, three hours ago. ago, so about 6 o'clock uh, Eastern time. Okay. Uh, let's see. The next one, Eric Gronley again drinking Phase Shift 02, the barrel-aged porter from 2019 from Tin Whiskers Brewing Company. This was the porter I needed. Holy moly, great full flavor, rich whiskey flavor. Four and a quarter caps on, on that check-in. Okay. And my friend Allison is drinking cactus at Royal Docks or by Royal Docks Brewing Company at Royal Docks Brewing Ooh, Company. Good for her. Yeah. Uh, and that's gave that one four caps. Uh, cactus. I'm really kind of curious what that is. It's a double IPA collaboration between Ohio Brewers Arche, which I miss those guys in Akron, and Royal Docks in Canton. Originally released at the first annual North Canton Craft Brewers Festival. Long story short, it's a robust beer that packs a creamy white head and lingers just a bit with the flavors of stone fruit and pine. That sounds pretty good. Mm, nice. Yeah, Arche was a uh, brewery that was getting up and running is just as we left, and I really wish we were there to get more of it. Mm. Moving on, um, Mark Church drinking a Slay All Day Holiday IPA. There's that Holiday IPA again. Uh, yeah, Just, I never heard of Holiday IPAs before. Yeah. I, I haven't either, but the way this is sounding, it sounds like it just has some spruce in it. So it's Slay oh, All Day yeah. Holiday IPA with spruce tips Okay, uh, by Masthead Brewing Company, but he's drinking it at Trek. Uh, three and a quarter caps on that one. So nothing exciting. The next one, though, I'm really exciting about, excited about because Mark Church is drinking Holiday Magic by Trek Brewing Company Ooh. at Trek Brewing Company. A holiday four and a half caps. <laughs> yeah, it's a hazy holiday. Uh, no, I believe the Holiday Magic is a stout or a porter. Uh, oh, it's a winter ale. Ooh, mm. intriguing. John, 
John, I'd like to know more about that. John, um, send us more beer. I need a winner. Well, not only that, and <laughs> John, John called me out on one of his in, untapped check-ins from our last show. I don't know if you saw that text from <laughs> I, I did, I did. <laughs> yeah, it's ho, 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 John. I know. Yeah. Um, three and Mark, three hoes, not three. Yeah. What'd you, what'd you not say? Three hosses. Three hosses. <laughs> not, not hosses. It's three hoes. <laughs> I'd much rather have three hoes than three hosses, buddy. I, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mark just writes, I'm glad it's back. Gave it four and a half caps on that. And uh, let's see. JC is drinking a four to a locomotive in winter, Leaves of Grass series by Bell's Brewery. Oh, I wonder which store he got this from. Um, He writes, good roasty smoke, simple and light overall, though. Oh, light overall, though. And he purchased this at Heinen's Grocery Store in Rocky River, Ohio. So Heinen's is a grocery store I used to work for. Ah. And he gave that one four caps. Um, Moving on to the next one. Mike Allen is back in our check-ins. And he is drinking a Game of Thrones, My Watch Has Ended by Brewery Omegang. I I have that one. I have that bottle. I'm waiting for Christmas time when my daughter comes to help me drink it. (laughs) Well, my... uh, my new and noteworthy beers will be right up Haley's alley. Okay. Hmm. So the um, he writes on this one's uh, three and three quarters caps. Not a huge amount of character, but not bad. I okay. like the I like the bottle art on it. That was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the reason I'm not drinking it by myself is t- for one thing, seven fifty milliliter bottle. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's an imperial brown with maple syrup, and so I'm just thinking oh. it's going to be a big. Uh, sweet beer that there's no way I'm going to be able to drink the whole thing myself. So I need some help. I'm hoping Haley is up to the task, the challenge to at least drink one full glass of it so I can handle the rest of it. I mean, if, if she can drink 16 ounces, I can drink the other, well, not 16, but <laughs> I was say the if other, she can drink what? 16, then I can drink less. That'd be great. I, I'd like that. I'll drink nine. She drinks 16. If she can drink nine, I'll drink the 16. That, that'll be better. Isn't- it's kind of tough that, uh, you know, we're getting to the point where we're like, well, we're going to, the four of us are going to have to split this uh, yeah. bomber because it's, it's so big anymore. I, I just, so. it's hard for me to drink the sweeter ones. And I know maple syrup, as we kind of mentioned in the last episode, it can come across, you know, sweet. And it's hard to drink things that are, that are really sweet like that, you know. Oh, yeah. Yep. I actually had a beer um, a couple of weeks ago that can't remember who talked about it but it was from decadent oh yeah yeah and it was the um it was like uh the blueberry something i can't remember what it was oh blueberry blueberry french toast Mm -hmm. yeah and somebody brought that up i read that on one of the check-ins yeah tom tom burn i think had yeah yeah, and he, he and I, I ended up looking at it. He and I ended up rating it the same. And he said it was it was a little weird. And, you know, it was, um, oh, it's because it was an IPA with blueberries, maple syrup, and cinnamon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he, and he says, as usual, these are weird, but yeah. not bad. Yeah. Which, I, yeah, I'm with you, Tom. That one was a little, it was definitely a little weird. But I did enjoy it, so... It's nice to say I had it. Um, moving on to the next one. Chad Lamasa is drinking Sick Flips by Bill's Brewing Company. And he says, my last beer from my annual North Carolina trip. Not a bad way oh. to finish off. Oh, he went. Mm. Well, good. I'm glad he, he went. Yeah. that Would that have been from uh, his trip to uh, Duke? Yeah, to go see Duke. He wasn't sure he was going to be able to make a trip this year because the 
his work schedule uh, mm-hmm. conflicted with it. So I'm glad he was able to go. That's that's awesome. Yeah, he did post some pictures on uh, Facebook, which was pretty awesome to see. Uh, and he writes, nice citrusy New England IPA. Four and a half caps on that one. So mm. good to see that one. And then Allison is drinking a Yuletide by Royal Docks at Royal Docks. We gave that one four caps, no notes. Um, ooh, I have to give a, definitely have to read this one from Eric Gronley. He's drinking a 2019 Jubilee by the Shoots Brewery. Oh, yeah. And he says, I have to give a shout out to a coworker who brought who bought this for me because they thought it looked like something I would enjoy. It's the best. <laughs> yes. I'm with him. That's oh, a yeah. good beer. Oh, yeah. I uh, already... gave that one. Oh, how much? I would give them four and a half caps. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I've already gone through four or five, six packs. I just bought another six pack of it when I got back from Israel. Like Saturday, I'm out shopping and I said, okay, what's, what, what, what beer do I see that I need to have? Oh, yep. Another six pack of Jubilee in my bag. <laughs> mm. So good stuff. Yeah. Uh, the next notable one was from about an hour ago, Mark Church. Drinking the first anniversary ale by Trek Brewing Company. And oh. he says it's getting better each week. Oh. Oh. So that was the the barley wine, right? Um, English barley wine? Yeah. So he wrote getting better each week. Gave that one four and a half caps. And the first anniversary ale is an American barley oh, American. wine. American. Yeah. Yeah. It would be American because that's what John, he likes American better. He's, What's he's, wrong with America, Danny? He's so wrong. It's English barley <laughs> wine is the best, man. <laughs> Go back Treason. to our roots. America. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, JC is drinking a Kentucky breakfast out. So 2019 KBS by Founders Brewing Company. Gave that one four caps. No notes. Tara Carlson drinking that Operation Breakfast. Oh. And she writes in for that one uh, with a three and a three quarter cap rating. She writes, add some punch to late dinner of leftovers. <laughs> That's right. I, I love the label. Yeah, I love the label and the beer is all right. I still don't think vanilla bro- belongs in beer. Oh, hmm. I like vanilla in beer, especially a stout. I like, uh... but you know what? I, honestly, it depends on how the vanilla character comes comes out i've had some vanilla added that uh is not doesn't it, it's i don't know how i don't know if it's the way they introduced it to the beer or what but it has like a funky flavor to it i like the vanilla that comes across like vanilla extract you know like, mm-hmm. like that flavor not the vanilla I, bean, uh, yeah flavor. i almost hate i almost hate to say it but i like the uh like the vanilla extract or like the um vanilla just like the fake vanilla flavor yeah. if it was actual beans the beans are kind of they're almost boozy yeah yeah sometimes. It, yeah it gives it gives it, a, it, it i don't know i've had hit or miss experiences with the the actual bean uh, implementation and I, and I think mm-hmm. it's the way that they're that they're utilizing it, whether they're stripping the beans into small strips and putting it in or if they're grinding it uh, and putting it in, and I mean, it depends on how they do it. It might come out better than others, but I, I like the extract myself. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I do too. Love the fake stuff sometimes. <laughs> Next one on the list is going to be Robert. Chew your beer. Is drinking a first anniversary New England IPA by Zach's Brewing Company, and mm-hmm. he writes, "Thanks to Nick N for this amazing hazy." Great job, Stephen Z. Congratulations on one year anniversary. Here's to many more. Cheers. And gave that one five caps. 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to read this one just because I've had it and you and I talked about it recently. JC is drinking CBS, the Canadian breakfast stout by Founders. (laughs) Okay, what did he, what did he say? There was no ratings on it. Ah. And he writes, big sweet bourbon and good chocolate, feeling the booze. So, So no, no ratings on that one. And the last two are from Mr. Florida Steve. He is drinking one, Autumn, by Treehouse Brewing Company. Ooh, nice. And he writes, another hazy from Treehouse. You so taste the galaxy hops from this beer. Ooh, so I love good. galaxy, yes. Yeah, four and a half caps on that one. And last but not least, and I'm going to refresh here just to make sure. Go in it. Ooh, we got an extra one. Uh, Florida Steve is drinking an All That Is and All That Ever Will Be, which is a delicious beer by Treehouse Brewing mm. Company. And he said, haven't had a stout in a while, and holy shit, this one is sweet. Uh, Tons of chocolate notes (laughs) with a slight coffee character in the finish. Four caps. And because I just refreshed, JC is going to be my last one. He is drinking Hershey's Chocolate Porter by Yingling Brewery. And he says it tastes like a Hershey Kiss. Four and a half caps. Oh, nice. Hey, I I didn't know Treehouse did anything but... Hazy IPAs. Do they actually do stouts too and other beers? I've had that stout personally, and that wow. is a good, good beer. Wow. Um, just not this this version of it, but yeah, I've definitely had this one. So if you guys want to be featured on our What Our Listeners Are Drinking segment, remember to follow me on Untapped at MCK1345, and we'll read your check-ins. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that was nice. A good variety uh, and some good, you know, good conversation and and some some laughs in there too. So that's good. All right, Chris. Um, All, you know what I did learn is that I, I'd much rather have fake vanilla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't we all? But uh, since since yeah. you've been talking a lot, let me let let me give you a break. Uh, have some sips of beer. Get those vocal cords back lubricated because you know there's lots of talking left to do. I'll go ahead and and talk about my beer related activities since our last recording. And as I mentioned earlier, I did just return back from an international trip to Israel, and I did a lot of beer drinking while I was there, just like I do every time I go. But uh, so I'm going to go go ahead and just cover uh, briefly, uh, you know, just some of the highlights. And probably the the you know one of the biggest highlights was, and I mentioned it in the last episode, is that I was going to meet up with my buddy Ziv Cohen, and we uh, we met like uh, you know. I don't know if it's halfway or, you know, probably halfway between where he is and where I was staying uh, in Haifa, which is in northern Israel. And um, I took the train all the way up there from, from uh, actually, I was in Rehovot when I got on a train, went up through Tel Aviv and all the way up to Haifa, about a two-hour train ride. Uh, and that's the bummer is that there's no trains that, that are going over the weekend. I had all day Saturday that we could have, you know, if, if I, if there would have been train operation, I could have just taken the train. We could spend all day together in Haifa and come, I could have come back, but there's no trains that run, at least during the day. They don't start running until later in the evening. Uh, so because of that, I had to ride the train up on Sunday, which, which anyone doesn't know, uh, in Israel, they start work on Sunday. They work Sunday through Thursday and they have Friday and Saturday as their weekend. So Sunday was my first day of work. I went to work. I left a little early. I caught uh, four, I think four twenty or four thirty train from Rehovot up to Haifa. Got to Haifa at six thirty, two hour train ride. 
uh, met, met Ziv, and we went to a brewery that is right there in Haifa. And this brewery is called Labira. And we had dinner and we had beers. Now, I had the flight, and uh, the flight consisted of five of their beers. There, and, uh, and I also had a third liter of a beer that I, I really enjoyed, uh, which my favorite beer of the five, I'll just tell you right now, was their smoked stout. Now, again, I've, I've mentioned that, you know, a lot of people aren't really into smoked beers, and I'm not into smoked beers, but lately I've had, I've mentioned some smoked beers that have been really high on my list of, of beers, and this beer was done really well. Not only was this a smoked stout, it was also on nitro. And I, you guys know how I hate nitro because it takes away all that great flavor that the beer has to offer. But guess what? It didn't take away all the flavor. The nitro actually kind of, uh, it was, I think it actually helped in like mellowing out some of the smoke flavor that might have been in there and yet still kept some of that uh, roastiness. Uh, great flavor, great body, mouthfeel. Everything was really good about this beer. Um, I gave it a four cap rating. Uh, so that's, that, that was my favorite of the five I had. Um, the rest of the beers were decent. But uh, I will say that their beers don't necessarily follow the style guidelines. So I ended up rating most of the beers as average beers because, you know, again, not that I, I, I hold a beer strictly to the guidelines, but I want to make sure that when I'm drinking a style, it somewhat tastes like that style. Now, let me go ahead and give you some examples of, uh, of, of, of what was different about some of these beers. For example... They're, they had an English bitter. Now, I'm a big fan of English bitters. I like that style. Nobody really makes it. But guess what? This brewery makes it an English bitter. And uh, But the problem is, is that this English bitter tasted more like an American pale ale to me uh, with a lot of citrus, fruity hop character. Now, I don't mind having a little hop character in a bitter, but it shouldn't be the prominent flavor that I get in an English bitter. English bitters don't have a big hop character especially not a flavorful hop character like the American. So again, I rated this, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I gave it a pretty good score. I gave it three and a half cap rating. And I gave it that rating because this beer was actually a very well done beer. I enjoyed it. It tasted good. But I might have rated it higher if it would have been in the American uh, Pale Ale category instead of English Bitter. So I just want to say that. Now, they also had a very good Pilsner. Actually, they call it a double Pilsner, and uh, I enjoyed this beer. But one of the things that I probably dislike about Pilsners are the noble hop characters of a Pilsner. With that being said, this Pilsner had zero noble hop character in it, so I don't even know if it was made with noble hops. Now, again, I don't prefer the noble hop character, but I expect that flavor to be in the beer. Um, I did enjoy this beer, but again, I rated it a little bit lower because it, it didn't follow the guidelines that I, you know, that I expected from, from it. My, my own, you know, my own thing. And then the last one I'll talk about is their Belgian Golden Strong Ale. And again, I love Belgian ales. I love their Dark Strong Ales, my favorite. Second favorite is probably a Golden Strong or a Quad or a triple. Those three kind of fall. I like those equally as good. So I'm a I'm a, a bit of a snob when it comes to Belgian ales. 
This one had some decent Belgian yeast character in it, but um, it really was had a lot of banana and clove character to it, which to me, when I finished drinking this, I'm thinking, wow, this is really more like a very strong German Hefeweizen, maybe an imperial German Hefeweizen, if there was such a thing, uh, than a Golden Strong Ale from Belgium. So again, I think they had the idea that, you know, to make it a Belgian Golden Strong Ale, but with whatever ingredients they used, it really came across like a uh, like a strong German Hefeweizen. So this one I docked a little bit more. I only gave it two and a half cap rating because, um, you know, I'm a snob when it comes to Belgian ales. So that was the first brewery I visited with my buddy Ziv. I'll come back to Ziv here in a, in a few minutes. I want to talk about the second brewery I visited, um, and they just opened a brewery in Rehovah. Now, Rehovah is a technical uh, center where a lot of technical companies are in Israel. And that's where my company is, is out of there in Israel. And, and so I, I stay in, in Tel Aviv and I take the train to Rehovot every day, go to work and then take the train back. And the reason I do that is because all the action is in Tel Aviv. If I want to go and find the food and find the, 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 the after hour entert- you know, entertainment and, and, and nightlife, Tel Aviv is a place to be. That's where these places stay open all night long and you can, you can have fun. In fact, I would be walking home or walking back to the hotel at one o'clock in the morning and these bars and places are packed with activity going on constantly and i'm i'm tired i'm going home but yet it's still a lot of energy and stuff going on at you know one two in the morning which is pretty cool so uh but what was missing in rehovit and what i why i've never stayed there is because there's nothing really going on they're starting to build it up more and in fact a brewery open called jim's Brewing now, Jim's Brewing is is a brewery that I've had many of the, you know most of their beers uh, you know I've had in other places. Uh, they have a couple other breweries located around the the country, but they just opened this one in Rehovot, and I went there twice actually. Um, and I, I and I tried their all their beers again, and I and uh, they make some good some good beer. They're probably my favorite beer they make is their uh, their eight point eight beer, and that's a Scotch ale. Uh, that is uh, 8.8% alcohol, and I really enjoy that one, but it can be a little bit heavy, a little bit strong to be, you know, like drinking a lot of it, but it's good to have a a glass here and there. Um, But I did try a new beer that I hadn't had from them before, and it was their dark lager. I'm a sucker for good lagers. I enjoy, you know, lagers, and especially dark lagers. There's not a lot of breweries that are producing dark lagers these days. So when I see a dark lager on a list, I've got to, I've got to try it. And uh, it hits the spot. I really enjoyed it. Gave that one a three-cap rating. All right. Now for the best part of my trip. Um, I mentioned that, uh, you know, that Ziv, my buddy Ziv, I, I met up with him. We had a great couple hours together, uh, eating, drinking, and chatting. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's been homebrewing. For the last couple of years, I've had some of his beers when he came and and visited. Uh, last time he well, the last time he came here or when I I can't remember. I had a couple of his beers. I really enjoyed him. He was doing a good job, and he's been brewing a bunch since. And he's been holding some beers for me to try on my next visit to Israel. So he passed off three beers. And he, he handed three unlabeled bottles, no no labels, no indication of what these beers were, and said, here, I've got three beers for you. I'll let you know that they're old. 
Uh, one is one of them is is fairly fresh within a couple months, but the other ones are at least six months or older. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll see how these how these hold up. And uh, so I, I I grabbed those beers. Now he also mentioned that he's building his own brewery system. So John had built his own brewery where he goes ahead and gets kettles, puts elements in, builds a control box that can control it, has pumps that can pump from from the hot water tank to the wart, from the wart to the, you know, from tank to tank to the to the cooling thing and everything. So he's building his own system. Uh, he showed me he's making one with Raspberry Pi. So he's already got the controller uh, set up and the Raspberry Pi, and he's going to have a display screen on the, on the uh, front of it so he can, you know, tell what's going on. Uh, very excited to go ahead and see what you know how he's going to brew from his you know quasi almost professional brew system he's going to have in his house. Uh, so I'm hoping that my next visit to Israel I'll be able to get all the way to his place and uh, help him brew a batch of beer maybe or at least you know drink some more beer from him. But so I want to talk about the three beers that he provided me. So. Let me see. Uh, the first beer I tried, I, I just randomly picked one of the three. Uh, they were all in dark bottles. So you really couldn't tell which one was which. I, I grabbed the bottle, opened it, and right away as I poured it, I could tell from the aroma and from the look of it, this was definitely going to be an IPA. Uh, and he did tell me that, you know, that again, the, the, a, few, a couple of these beers have been waiting, me, waiting for me for a while. And uh, I found out after trying this one that this was one of the beers that, uh, that was not as fresh as uh, as it could be, but guess what? The beer actually tasted fine. I could tell though that because it was an IPA and the hops that were used, they did fall out a little bit. But I could also tell that that the the hops that he had used must have been some kind of a tropical blended hops because I could taste some of that, uh, you know, in the in the muted flavors. I can taste that they were like some some tropical fruity sweet like tropical sweet fruit uh, flavors i bet this beer was fantastic when it was fresh it was still good and 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 very drinkable even when it wasn't as fresh as it as it was when it was first brewed uh, i really enjoyed this one so then i went on on untapped and looked up what the last uh, ipa he made was and the last ipa was called the no name 2 ipa this is actually the second version of an ipa he made that was he really enjoyed the first one um and he said that and Ziv actually mentioned that it was not as good as the original. Um, now, I didn't rate this beer because I didn't want to give a rating to a beer that I knew wasn't fresh. And, uh, you know, but it was a good beer. But I just didn't want to, you know, if, it, if I know something's not uh, like perfect or, or not the ideal um, situation, I won't rate it. Whether it's a, a professional brewery or a home brewer, I'll just go ahead and check it in and, and make comments. And I did. I made some some uh, good comments and, and just and uh and uh description and stuff on on untapped so that was the first beer the second beer i open it and these are i'm drinking these over you know this, the the week that i'm there i'm drinking uh one a night the second beer i could tell i poured it in there and i could see it was a darker darker color i took a smell of it and i could tell okay this has got got to be a scottish yale uh, and I, I remember Ziv mentioning that he made a Scottish shell and I was like, Oh, that sounds interesting. So I'm like, okay, this has got to be the Scottish shell. And, uh, I'll tell you what, it had really nice caramel and toffee malt flavor, super smooth, very drinkable. Uh, I really enjoyed this beer. Uh, I mean, I drank it down pretty quick. I, I swear 
the thing probably wasn't in my glass longer than like at, at the most 10 minutes before it was completely gone. Really, really good. And I'm a sucker for a good Scottish ale. And uh, I gave this one a four cap rating. Now, for the last beer that Ziv provided me, uh, he knows that I'm a sucker for a good stout. So I pour this beer into the glass. Again, right away, just from the color, I could tell this is a stout. Black, you know, like almost pitch black coloring um, with a little bit of a hint of, uh, you know, the chocolate head, a little bit of that uh, that mocha or, or you, know, you know, dark chocolate-like head that was on top. I could smell that there was some chocolate in there. And, uh, and so I go ahead and I, I start to drink this stout. I'm thinking, okay, let me, let me try this thing. Man, right away, really nice, silky mouthfeel. Uh, it also had very good roasty malt character. And there was a little bit of coconut flavor in there too. And, and the chocolate flavors weren't too strong, but just were like enough to just like, you know, give you that little feeling of that dark chocolate in there. I fell in love with this beer on the first sip. I thought, okay, maybe, you know, maybe uh, uh, I'm enjoying this beer, uh, you know, maybe the first sip is better. Maybe as I go through, I won't, you know, it won't be as good. Uh, it just happens that this beer I hadn't chilled down as much um, because I had gotten some ice. I poured it in the sink, put the bottle in. I went off to eat, came back, and the ice had melted. And so I'm like, oh, well, let's see if this thing, and I, and I poured it. It's like, oh, you know what? It's the right temperature. So it was, it was when I opened it. Right away, it was at the right temperature for getting the optimum flavor profiles from the aroma and, and, the, and the taste. And I drank this whole beer, and I think this one must have gone down in about five minutes. I <laughs> thoroughly loved this beer. I loved it so much that I gave it a five-cap rating. And remember, I don't give high ratings just because my friends brew a beer. I, you know, I... I I'm gentle with them. I don't want to tell them that their beer is crap, but uh, but I also don't just give it a five like some people because they're a friend. I you know they they deserve to have real ratings and real feedback from the beer they brew. And I'll tell you what, this is worth every cap I gave it five cap rating. I will drink this beer every day if it was available to me. And uh, Ziv did a fantastic job. So I just want to raise my glass to Ziv and say thank you for allowing me to try your beers. All of them were very well done, and I can't wait to try more of your beer. All right. Maybe that was a little longer than I had planned, but I had good things <laughs> to say. Uh, allowed you to probably take a bathroom break, get another beer, go kiss the wife, uh, everything else. That's, exa but... That's exactly what I did when I messaged <laughs> you that. I ran downstairs, gave Megan a kiss, and then ran right back up. Ah, you're awesome. You're awesome. All right, Chris. So that was my beer events. How about you? Do you have any good beer events to talk about i mean my one beer event is i brewed another batch of beer oh sweet T yeah, talk about I, it What'd you so brew? we we uh when we brewed our last batch which i had a couple glasses of before we started recording um brewed rebrewed that that <clears throat> uh honey amber ale for thanksgiving well it would only seem fit to brew a beer for christmas now since it's oh uh right around the corner and we brewed a chocolate milk stout which I just put the uh, the cacao nibs in the fermenter literally an hour before we started okay. recording. So uh, that's going to that's gonna sit. It's supposed to sit on those for at least another week. And then we can put it in a keg and carbonate it and enjoy it. So technically, I should be able to pull it out of that fermenter 
next Wednesday or uh, <laughs> next Monday and uh, hook it up to the CO2 tank and carbonate it before Christmas. Okay. So, so is there any is there any plans? You said it was going to be a Christmas beer. Mm-hmm. So Christmas beer means maybe like chocolate and peppermint. Maybe do a portion of it with some peppermint flavor in there, the chocolate peppermint. I think what I'm going to do with with any of these beers, and I, and I'm still really new to the whole home brewing thing. I mean, I, it it's to the point now where I don't have to go. Okay, uh, step one, sanitize all your equipment. Okay, step two, <laughs> go ahead and start heating up your water and put these things in at these times, and you know, bring it to a boil, let it boil for. So it, it's nice that, and because I do extract beers, mm-hmm. which some people in the home brewing community might scoff at that, but you know, it's uh, to me, it's a time saver. Yeah. Uh, it's a space saver. I don't have to have as much equipment and I can still turn out some pretty good beer. Mm-hmm. So um, we get to the point now where, you know, that, that Amber ale that I've probably brewed four or five times now it's consistent. It's good. It's nice that, you know, I've got that one under my belt and uh, I can recreate that one pretty, pretty consistently. Uh, I was itching to try to, you know, try something new. I was like, well, we've got, we've got this amber ale. We've been drinking a lot of IPAs. What could we do for Christmas? And, uh, between Megan, between Tina, between a couple other friends, they said, why don't we, why don't we just look and see what are out, what's out there. And we actually looked at, I believe it was Mm northernbrewer.com and they, then they had a kit all ready to go. And I was like, okay, well, I've never used them before. Let's see what their kits are like. Uh, and it showed up all the instructions. I mean, more instructions than my local homebrew shop would even give. Mm. And, and it was, it was really nice. The only downside and the, and this is the only thing I can knock them on is that I got my, all of my stuff. I had two, uh, one ounce packets of, I believe it was Centennial hops in the, in the packet. And both of those packets were open. Oh, and it was just, it wasn't open like someone tore them open. It was open as if the, uh, when they were pressed and sealed, the seal had failed. Oh. So I'm not entirely sure what had happened with that. But as soon as I saw that, when I started taking things out of the box, I mean, I, I threw them in a container in a, like a, like a Tupperware Rubbermaid container, threw them in the fridge. And I knew that I was going to be brewing, uh, in the next day or so. So I, Hopefully it doesn't cause any any issue with that, but I don't I don't think it will. Yeah, it should be okay. And it's the funny thing is that I always thought, uh, especially brewing, doing home brew and stuff, there was there you had to be so ex- just extremely meticulous about your sanitation and the and the exactly when you throw these ingredients in and uh, you know certain steps that you have to take. And I'm finding that that's not always the case. There's, there's, <laughs> um, there's some leeway. And that's actually one of the things I enjoyed about, you know, the whole reason that I got in, into my original vocation of going to culinary school and, and working in food and stuff like that was that cooking was, you could kind of do it by the seat of your pants. It didn't have to be exactly yeah. this and exactly yeah. that, like baking, for example. Um, baking is uh, way too specific for me. So that, that uh, kind of slows me down. But when I can kind of wing it and make it my own and do it that way, it's a lot easier for me. And I'm kind of coming to the point with brewing where it, I'm there 
and I can just kind of wing it and it doesn't have to be so tense and so perfect. And so, I mean, I, I put my beer in the fermenter and I know my beer wasn't cold enough to go in the fermenter, Oh, but it went into a very cold fermenter and, you know, I pitched the yeast a half hour later and we were good to go. So, uh, if there's off flavors, I'll know why. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the very next day, less than 24 hours later, I was seeing some very, very excitable fermentation okay. going on. Okay. That's so, the key. The key is yeah. not to kill off your yeast. That's the <laughs> it could yeah. be a very poor batch, of, a very sweet batch of beer if you don't have any yeast to yeah. eat it up. And one thing I did learn out of it too, is I didn't, I've never used, uh, the cacao nibs in, in making beer before. So I wasn't exactly sure how you went about getting that into the beer. Like Mm -hmm. how do you sanitize it? How do you make sure you don't infect your beer with some weird bug from the Amazon (laughs) and come to find out, which was nice that it was on the instructions was you go buy some vodka, you pour about 10 ounces of vodka in a measuring cup. You dump your, uh, your little nibs in the cup and let them sit for 24 hours. So basically you're now making an extract. Ah. So then you just, I literally dumped the vodka Nice. And and the nibs into the fermenter. Oh yeah, because it said to. So let's <laughs> try and follow instructions here. So we get a about five shots of vodka in the in the beer, and we'll go from there. Okay. What well, you know? What I can't wait to hear how this turns out. It sounds very exciting. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it as well. And I know one of my uh, one of one of uh, our coworkers. She. Her dad, we've talked about her dad on the show before. He's super into trading beer and, and things like that. And um, she said that she wanted to give him some of my homebrew for Christmas. And I was like, well, I, you know, I don't bottle the beer anymore. And I don't, I don't even think I have bottles anymore. And I guess we just had to drink a big bottle of beer the other day and bottle up a few. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you you got to do what you got to do. Keep your employees well, happy. <laughs> and he he and and her dad, her dad's name is Leon and Leon was super nice about uh he he messaged me the other day on Facebook that he was at Corporate Ladder. Oh, at Blake's place. Uh, at Corporate Ladder and he goes, "Hey, do you want anything while I'm here?" And I was like, "Well, hey, you know, I'd really like to get a a, a crowler of that new sour ale that they have on." And, uh, you know, just let me know what I owe you for it. And he said, well, you know, just, just get me a bottle of, of the beer you brewed up. And I was like, Leon, I, I, it's all in a keg, man. I, I don't, uh, yeah, come here I and drink it anymore. Yeah, come here so, and drink with me. So that'll be a cool surprise for him at Christmas. She, oh yeah. She wanted to get that for him for Christmas. Cause it's not like you can just go to the store and go, yeah, he'd really like this. This is special. No, he probably already has it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that, that's one of the, the cool parts about it. So we can kind of share that with him. Nice, nice. And hey, just think that he's willing to uh, trade a bottle of your beer for a crowler of uh, Corporate Ladder, you know, yeah. metal winning quality beer. So, hey, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> hey, I, I, I very much enjoy the beer that we've been putting out. We've, uh, we've got the uh, pressure off of the CO2 tank just right. And it's not, you know, a half glass ahead anymore. And Oh, nice. Uh, it, it's good. You, know, you just open that open that tap up and kind of ease it back a little bit when it's about 80% full and get a nice (laughs) two fingers worth of head and a nice clear glass of beer. Ah, perfect. You got dialed in, you know, you know, the process. 
All right. Well, let me talk. Let me talk real quickly about two beers from my trip to Israel that I haven't already talked about. I, I had a lot of beer in Israel, but only two, besides the one I ones I talked about already, stood out above the rest. Um, and the first one is from uh, the biggest brewery, the biggest craft brewery. I won't say biggest brewery. The biggest craft brewery in Israel is Alexander. And I've had almost all their stuff. And I love Alexander. They're making some great beer. But they had a new one, or they have a seasonal one that I hadn't had before. I just hadn't been there when it was available. And this time, it, I happened to be at a place that had the seasonal available, and I had it. It's their Saison. And we all know that I'm a big sucker for Saison. And uh, I'll tell you what. I really enjoyed this beer. They did a fantastic job. Just the right amount of of uh of you know a farmhouse ale yeasty you know character in there uh i really enjoyed it i gave this one a four cap rating so if you're in israel you can get alexander saison uh go ahead and try that if you you enjoy the saison style and the second beer i'm going to talk about is an austria beer again when i'm in israel i try to drink as much israeli beer as i can but what's also nice about being there is i get a lot of beer that comes in from around you know the european uh, area that comes into into israel and i can try it well here's an austrian uh beer a brewery called slosh slosh eggenberg and the beer they had they had a number of beers and on, on the beer list they listed all three of the beers they had available all as barley wines i'm like okay what's the chance that these people make three barley wines and they all are being served at this place probably slim to none they just kind of they just kind of went uh, easy and just called it barley wine. So in in re reality, uh, after I got the the bottle, this came in a, in a one third liter bottle, uh, it, the, and the beer I had was Samiklas Barik, and it's a Doppelbach. And Doppelbach, of course, is a big Bach. Now, how big is this Bach? This Bach comes in at fourteen percent ABV. Wow. This is a huge, you know, Bach beer. Um. And what was amazing is that at 14%, you would, ex and I've had some Doppelbox that are just too sweet and hard to drink. This beer, literally, I, I would have thought I was drinking a barley wine. Uh, it's a lager, but this, this flavor came across like a very good quality English barley wine. Uh, a lot of those same, um, you know, date and, uh, and dark fruit, characters in a barley wine came out in this thing man i really enjoyed this beer uh and uh and in reality it was kind of like a barley wine style lager and i gave it gave this a four cap rating and uh, i'm i'm eager to go back and try the other two varieties of uh of beers they had and then those were also at 14 percent. so all three of these different beers were 14 percent uh but really dry not too sweet, great flavors, good mouthfeel, everything. I mean, really, really enjoyable beer. So if you can come across this brewery, I'll put the, the brewery and the beer in the show notes. You can go find it. And if you can, can get a hold of this, go try it. I think you'll really enjoy it. All right, Chris, how about your new and noteworthy beers? Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, the first one I'm going to talk about would be right up Haley's Alley just because of the name and the, some mm -hmm. of the can art. And it's cat-related. <laughs> <laughs> so it was uh I, it was from the fat uh fat orange cat okay 
Uh, and again, I think Tom was Tom Byrne was actually talking about these guys. Yeah, like the same uh, the same episode we were talking about that other decadent ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was Vito the Beer Whale Cat. Wow, that's a name. And this was a uh, a hazy IPA. And this was so the okay. So I'm having having a hard time getting through the where all these beers are coming from. So Megan kind of went um, along the Kristen Ream uh, route and got me a made a beer advent calendar. Oh, for me. nice, nice of her. It was. It was wonderful. The downside was is I found out about it nine days into the month. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to drink these real fast to catch up. So I'm catching up, but it, they weren't labeled or anything. And it was it was one of those things that the intent was was so pure and so uh, it was just so wonderful and uh, just as crazy as we are anymore. She's like she's like um, so I wanted to build this advent calendar for you, and all the beer all the beers are in like in the in the box over in the living room. <laughs> Just go. I didn't, I didn't have time to make anything, but like, please know that this was the intent. And I was like, okay, that that's really cool. So we started throwing things in the fridge and actually the one beer that I'm drinking right now uh, was, was from that. So um, yeah. So the, the veto veto, the beer whale cat was, was one of those actually all three of the beers on my new and noteworthy beers were from this. So, oh. Uh, the Vito, the beer whale, whale cat got four and a quarter caps from me. Uh, and it, I just remember, I don't have full details in front of me, but I do remember it being a, a hazy new England IPA. It was super, super easy to drink and, uh, was just super good. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is probably one that you've had, Denny. I love uh, it. Yeah. I would imagine so many people have had this yeah. one. It's a good solid Imperial stout from Sierra Nevada is their Norwal Imperial Stout. Mm-hmm. And this was one that I saw. And I'll be honest, I immediately looked at it and kind of got excited mm-hmm. just because I haven't had it in a very long time. And I think the last time that I did have it, it was kind of early on in my craft beer journey. And I don't think at the time I appreciated it as much as I yeah. would now. Yeah. So drinking it now was much better and I, I remember drinking it on a day where I got done pretty early in the beginning of my day. I think I got done at like three thirty in the on like a Wednesday or something. I was done with my day and I, I told Megan on and I was like, you know what? I am gonna go home and I'm gonna sit my ass on the couch and I'm gonna grab a beer. Um I'll make sure everybody get all the dogs get fed and we have dinner ready to go when you get home. But I am going to go just have some me time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got home and I, I saw this beer and I went, you know what? This is, this is what I'm, I'm going to pour. It's like a 10% beer. I poured it in a snifter, made sure it was an appropriate glassware because yes. I'm not a heathen. <laughs> uh, and so I, I sat down on the couch. I was catching up on some, uh, the walking dead and some other TV shows, just kind of sipping on this beer and I, and I just really enjoyed it. It was nice and roasty, but it, all in all, it was just kind of, it was a very solid beer and ended up rating it 4.25 caps. And uh, I think the last time I had a Narwhal, I don't think I rated it as, as well. So, and the last one I want to talk about is going to be a beer called Blowing from a Gun from Nightmare Brewing Company. Again, this one was from that uh, from that advent calendar, 
And this one was, um, this one I would have seen in a store and I would have bought this based on the, uh, blowing gun nightmare. Uh, I would have bought this literally based on the can art mm. because the can art was pretty awesome. Uh, but it was something out of a dream. So nightmare brewing company is pretty awesome, but it was uh, something out of a dream, but this was a 10 and a half percent double IPA with Indian cane sugar. So I don't know if that's something special here or if that's <laughs> cane sugar from India. Uh, and it's quintuple dry hopped with El Dorado, Calypso, cashmere, mosaic, and hall melon hops. It's a lot of hops. It was a lot of hops, but it worked together mm. so good. Uh, and I was super surprised about this one. Uh, I don't think any... Oh, Tom Joseph has had this one, and so has Tom Byrne. Oh, of course. The two uh, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just like Tom Joseph wrote, very enjoyable. That's exactly what it was. It wasn't anything over the top. Uh, I, I was very, I've very much been enjoying the beer-flavored beer lately yeah. oh yeah. Uh, yeah and this one this one just worked really well it was a little on the sweeter side with having that cane sugar in it but it did work out very well and a 10 percent beer disappeared very quickly that night oh nice, nice. So. all right enough about mine let's hear about well we talked about yours already so yeah. let's move on yeah let's move on all right well now let's get into some feedback from our last episode and mr jim kudsall he wrote into the show with uh, this following uh, comment he says in the recent episode i heard chris talking about moving from bottling to kegging i did the same thing a while ago i hated bottling i decided to build my own keezer i started with a chest freezer took off the top built a wooden collar and then attached the top to the collar and then drilled four holes in for the taps and two for the gas lines. I keep my CO2 tanks external. And he sent a photo and uh, wanted, of course, you, Chris, to, uh, you know, to ask any questions if you had any questions or he could send you, you guys could talk and he can send you the plans of what he did if you're in, uh, you know, ready to do the whole keyser thing. But it sounds like that you already gave up on the bottling thing too and kind of, you know, use your chest freezer as a, as a mini keg i did and it's um you know like i was like i was telling you earlier as far as moving to like the keezer mm -hmm. uh option maybe when we go buy a house we'll look at that because i have two chest freezers in my house already <laughs> one of them happens to one one of them happens to be my excess beer storage slash fermentation chamber mm -hmm. and the other one just happens to be an actual freezer that holds my dog food <laughs> So, <laughs> and that's a lot of dog food because you got how many dogs? Eight. Well, we have seven. <laughs> seven. Okay. <laughs> uh, but this is all the yeah. So it's uh, dog food for those guys. But yeah, it's uh, it's something that I've always looked to do. And and Jim, I almost went that route recently uh, because I bought a I bought a uh, oh I bought another mini fridge the other day. Yeah, that's right. To. Uh, to go ahead and make a little kegerator but uh I, I really want to be able to have more than one keg in there i have a feeling though when it does happen it's uh you know it's going to be probably two or three or four kegs of home brew and that's basically what's going to be coming out of that keezer yeah yeah well i i really liked 
uh, what Jim did with his. Uh, I like the tap set up, the four taps mm-hmm. on the little, you know, stainless steel tap uh, section. And yeah, I think that's, that's, that's what I want to do too. I, everyone keeps asking me, you know, I always get asked, well, do you brew your own beer? I say, no, I don't brew my own beer. I, one day I will, uh, you know, but I enjoy drinking beer so much and there's so much great beer around, then I don't want to make a crappy batch and feel obligated I have to drink it because I didn't make it well. And because I'm, uh, you know, I'm just that way, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to bottle. I want to go straight to the keg so I yeah. can save time. So before I can do that, I have to get myself set up with the keg, the keyser and the taps and all the gear and that costs a lot of money so my thought is i probably won't start brewing my own beer until i'm more closer to retirement where i have the time and and i can really focus on uh you know coming up with my recipes and and getting the building the keyser and, and getting everything ready that's that's what i keep telling people is that probably when i get close to retirement i'll be brewing beer and, and let me ask you this though yeah. How much do you think it costs to do that? Um, so, it I mean, it depends on how you get your your freezer, your chest freezer, right? If you buy it new, you're gonna be paying a couple hundred bucks for the for the that. You'll be paying another hundred dollars for getting it set up to be uh, set of a freezer to control the temperature. Then you gotta have well, your, your your lines let me, let me... and everything. Yeah, let me dial you back a little bit. Okay. Just to keg one beer and dispense it out of one tap. Um I mean, I'd have to have a the the corny keg, which is like usually uh-huh. what I don't know what they cost nowadays, forty to sixty dollars or right. Uh I'd have to have the lines and the gas bottle just to have like even if I had a little plastic uh you know, like the old uh you know, when you buy, you know, a little plastic, uh, the picnic tap. Yeah. Picnic tap. I'd have to have that. That's what's what's on one of my kegs right now. Okay. The lines and the CO tube thing, you know, I'm going to guess and I have somewhere to keep it cool. Right. I could just have a a garbage can full of ice, but that's not going to last too long. That's classy though. Yeah. I I don't have, (laughs) I don't have a spare fridge, so I'd have to have something to put it in to keep it at temperature so that regardless i mean maybe i could uh buy a new refrigerator use my old refrigerator to hold a keg uh, but mm-hmm. it's gonna i mean it's gonna uh, it's gonna cost a, a, a few hundred dollars i think to get set up okay i would agree with you on that one i just i look at it and i thought the same thing moving from bottling to kegging and that's why it took so long to do it mm-hmm. and i thought okay yeah it's just going to be ridiculously expensive to do and it is. It is. It's. It's going to at least run you 150 bucks after you get the, the fridge, the keg, the CO2 tank, mm-hmm. and you know the the hoses and the yeah. and the tap or whether you use the uh, the little picnic tap. Um. And that, by the way, that's working out awesome. For me, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there's ways of getting around, and and I don't have to necessarily have all four taps right away. And I like you said. I could use picnic taps for my extra kegs if I decide to have more than one beer there and then eventually add the extra taps, you know, when I have money to, to add to it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it is an investment and, and all that, 
you know, getting the, the spigot, you know, the taps and everything, those are expensive, right? I mean, oh, they are. Yeah, yeah those are pricey. Yeah. So uh, if I, I figure if when I get ready to do this, it's going to be probably a thousand dollar total investment to get my keyser set up and, you know, get everything set up the way I want it. Uh, and maybe even including my brewing kit too. I'm going to say if I, to get ready to brew, it's probably going to be a thousand dollar investment uh, to do that. And then I just, you know, and, and I want, I want to have a time to, uh, to research, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'll probably start off with extract brewing first, but I might just start right off with, you know, brewing a bag type thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, get my grains into a bag and then, and I'll do propane cooking. I don't want to cook in my house because I've cooked enough with people that I, that, that's a pain in the ass. I just want to be out on the, on the patio with my propane burner and be able to control the heat. And if it has an overflow, I'm not going to be, you know, clean up the mess in my, my kitchen. Uh, so that's going to be a little bit of investment. And uh, I mean, I, there's going to be, uh, you know, it's gonna be a little bit of investment, a little bit of time, and I, and I want to focus on not just brewing stuff I could just get every day. Home brewing is all about building your own beer. I want to build things that I enjoy. You know, maybe start off with a base style. You know, maybe I'll I'll dive into the Belgian ales that I enjoy so much and see if I can brew you know some good quality Belgian ales that that I like the flavor profiles and especially. When it comes to the saison, the farmhouse ales, and adding extra things into it, right? Adding those herbs and you know, and and things that uh, that give that herbal character that go really well with saisons. You know, I want to be able to, you know, find the right adjuncts to add in there to to just accentuate the flavor. So it's a right. it's an experiment, right? I'm an engineer. I'm I'm used to doing design of experiments, and 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 that's what I'm going to do with my beer too. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with what I want and, and, and learn, figure out how to, to make it and then uh, make a batch, see how it turned out and then, and then adjust it for the next batch to see if I can improve upon it until I get it just right. That takes time. I just don't, I just don't want you to have uh, an, uh, what's it called? An analysis paralysis. <laughs> yeah. No, I won't have that. I won't have that. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's the main reason I haven't, I haven't started brewing, but thank you, Jim for uh you know providing some feedback and and hey i really like your system a lot i think i think uh also chris is is uh intrigued on building one like that himself so when he's ready to go ahead and invest in in purchasing his own property which may be a while right chris because you really you have a nice sweet pad right now i've you know what i um i love the rental that we're in right now (laughs) um or at least the neighborhood and I think we're gonna at least stay around in this neighborhood. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with where yeah. we are right now. Yeah. All right. So now, Chris, I come back from Israel and I see you put a poll on the Facebook page, and I was curious. The poll reads this: Barrel aged beers are starting to taste the same? Question mark. Yeah. And it's a yes or no poll and you can add comments if you want and we did have some comments that were added so chris why did you add this poll what is your thought process and what are you trying to uh you know get across here so i was um and i maybe i should have specified a little better or a little more was that 
I was drinking a barrel aged bourbon barrel aged Imperial stout. <laughs> yeah. And, and it got to the point while I was drinking it, it was just, I was struggling to finish it. And I split this bomber with a friend mm-hmm. and I was just kind of hanging out drinking it. And I was struggling drinking it all. And I'm like, this tastes like every other barrel aged <laughs> Imperial stout that I've had in the last couple of years. Now, you know, you can barrel age just about anything. And I've mm-hmm. had anything from barrel aged IPAs to barrel aged, you know, Doppelbox and, and, uh, you know, brown ales and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, or barrel aged sours and stuff like that. But I am reconsidering moving f- through, um, to like the, the next round of that cigar city El Catador club where oh, okay. that's a barrel aged beer club. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because I'm drink I'm getting all these beers and like the one that I talked about, we had that when we were in Disney was, um, you know, like the, something like enjoying my coffee or something. It was a bourbon barrel aged coffee Imperial stout with maple syrup. And that was tough to drink because the maple syrup made it a little sweet. Um, And then the one I drank the other night was uh, a variation of cigar cities, Imperial stout called, called Marshall Zukov. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Marshall Zukov on its own is terrific. And I've had some really good, um, barrel aged versions of Zukov, but this one—I don't even know if I logged it or not. I don't think I did. Um, this one was just—I don't know. It was very sweet. It was very big and boozy, and um, big in the barrel. And I'm sitting there drinking it, and I'm going everything. This tastes like everything I've I've had yeah. in in quite a long time. So I don't know if it was just me going off on a rant. Uh but I was kind of curious, you know, what everybody else thought. Yeah, it was called Marshall Zukov's Victory Parade. And it's bourbon <laughs> barrel aged Imperial Stout with Marion berries, figs, and cacao nibs. Sounds awesome. It, and it does. I, you know, I pull these out of the cooler and I go, man, that sounds really good. And I get them out and I pour them in a glass and I let them warm up a little bit and I start drinking it. And I'm like, Meh. I, I'd much rather like I'm sitting here drinking another glass of that homebrew that I have. And I am thir- like, I, I would have this all day. It's like, I think after we calculated everything out, it's sitting at about five, five point seven percent. Yeah. And it's just a good, solid day drinking kind of beer. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of talking like we were talking earlier. Like you want to have some beer flavored beer. This was like all barrel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we did have 39 votes so far. I just went to the the page and 39 people have have voted. There's actually been, uh, you know, 300 people reached. Uh, only 39 people decided to vote. That's pretty pathetic. Come on, people. You could you could hit the yes or no. And right now, as it stands, um, are they all tasting the same? The majority of people say no way. 56% say no way. They're not all starting to taste the same. And 44% uh, are with you, Chris, that they're starting to taste the same. So why don't you go ahead and read the couple comments we had uh, from a, from a couple listeners. 
Yeah, so we yeah, so we had a comment from Tom Byrne and he said the process has so many variables on an execution level and style, recipe, barrel type, contact time, etc. So this is an interesting stance if your answer is yes, but <laughs> everybody has different tastes. But if we say we're talking about a barrel aged saison versus a Russian Imperial stout, then the problem might be larger. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. And you're right, Tom. Like I just mentioned, I, I wasn't very specific. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of wrote this. I, I'll, I'll admit, I was probably a little buzzed. Yeah, wrote this. of course. Of those, course. Those are always, you know, 11, 12%, <laughs> even though you're splitting them with somebody. Uh, Tara, Tara Carlson chimed in and she says, I avoid all barrel aged beers. <laughs> Way so, to go, Tara. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. She's it's her her opinions are hers, and she sticks with them. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and, and and Megan's very much the same thing. She'll she'll stick. Uh, she'll stay away from bourbon barrel, tequila barrel, rum barrel, all those kind of aging. She'll go with like Chardonnay barrels, red wine barrels, and yeah. stuff. Especially when it comes to those like sour yeah. ales. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she's she kind of she's with you, Tara. She's kind of stays away from those, uh, you know, whiskey and things like that. The the spirits barrels when it comes to aging beers. So yeah, uh, maybe slightly buzz tirade. But yeah, that's that's kind of where I stand with it. I'm just you know, kind of looking at it and going, you know, there's really no benefit to it anymore. To <laughs> sticking into this. Uh, well, the whole reason that, okay, so the El Catador Club, okay, so for the people that don't know what the El Catador Club is, is it's Cigar City's barrel-aged beer club, all right? You buy into it, they give you six, eight, sometimes 10 bottles of beer, a gift, and you get some, you get like 20% off in their brewery, whether it's on beer or on merchandise, stuff like that. Uh, and it costs you about $250 a, uh, a session. There's Damn. normally three or four sessions every year. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's a lot. It is. And that's why I'm looking at it now. I'm going, okay, well, I've been in through it, been in it for a, f- a couple of sessions. The big reason that I bought into it was to make sure that I was able to buy tickets for Hunapu Day. Yeah. Well, now you can buy tickets for Hunapu Day, <laughs> like weeks after they go on sale. Yeah, yeah. So I don't look at this as something that uh, has uh, any type of exclusivity. Um, they've been trying in the, in, especially in this session and the session before it. They were, hey, make sure you guys uh, sign up for this session of the El Catador Club. We got a few spots left open. You don't want to miss out. And I don't believe they sold everything. Mm. So the uh, the exclusivity part of it, where it used to be, you know, the the uh, the option, their very first El Cat or El Catador Club went on sale. And everybody flocked to it. And it was one of those things where, you know, oh, well, it's sold out. I guess I'll have to try to get in next year. And when when you tried to get in, it was based on a lottery. You'd submit your email address and they would randomly draw however many names. And they're like, hey, congratulations, you were selected in the LCAT lottery. And it was this cool thing. Yeah. And then you get first dibs on renewing. If you renew, mm-hmm. you always get the option to renew. And if you don't, then you forfeit your spot. Well, now there's spots there's always spots there. Yeah. Now they have, um, they're able to, you're able to get the beers. If you live in Boulder, Colorado, you <laughs> are able to get the El Catador club beers there. So I think it got a little too big. Yeah. 
Yeah. So my take, so I, I was pretty vocal a couple of years ago where I said, I'm not drinking any more barrel-aged beers because it's too <laughs> much. And then what happened? That next year I drank like more barrel-aged beers than I ever, ever drank in my life. And I agree with you, Chris, on the fact that when breweries just throw it in a barrel and they don't monitor the uh, the amount of, of of character that comes out of that barrel, whether it's the whatever liquor they're in there or, or whatever, then it becomes too much. And I don't like barrel-aged beers that don't taste like beer. I don't want a whiskey or a bourbon beer. I want a beer that might have accents of the character of the barrel they were in. And so, you know, two years ago, everything that was barrel aged was just way too over the top. Mm-hmm. And I found that after I had made that statement and I wasn't going to drink any more barrel aged beers ever, I started drinking more because I'm a sucker. And I started finding <laughs> ones that were, that, that had, that must have heard my rant and started brewing beers and putting them in barrels and only having the barrel character have it be a, like a, a subtle accent to the beer and the beer still stands out. Those are the ones that to me are the best use of that barrel is that when you, when the barrel doesn't overtake the beer itself and I'm finding that a lot more breweries are focused on making sure that the barrel doesn't overtake the beer. And, uh, and, and I mentioned before my least liked barrel is the bourbon barrel. And that's the one that's used the most. Um, mm-hmm. I do enjoy bourbon barrel character, but because it's so strong and so many breweries have access to bourbon barrels that they, and they don't really, uh, you know, monitor the, the beards inside. And when I release it, it's just like all bourbon boozy crap. Um, you know, I tend to, to go away from that. I found that my favorite barrel is the whiskey barrel. I think the whiskey mm-hmm. character is, is, uh, is not too strong. And it provides a really good, um, you know, complement to the beers, depending on what beer they're using. And so um, I, I, I kind of am on Tom's side when he explains that it's all about how the barrel, the beer inside, and how the brewery is utilizing it. The, surf, the time it spends on that surface, as long as it's not too in there too long where it becomes too boozy, I enjoy the the character it adds. I I like that character, but it, it again it all depends on the brewery. They have to be able to to monitor and control uh, the time it's, the beer spends in in that barrel. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm kind of in between. Uh, if done right, I'm 100 percent yes. I'll do a barrel. If done wrong, then no. Don't ever put a beer in a barrel. <laughs> so yeah. so all right. So our listeners. We ask you, hey, write into the show. Let us know what you like or dislike about barrel-aged beers and and go to the Facebook page and vote. We still have like three more days. Well, by the time you hear this, it'll be over. So never mind. Uh, the the <laughs> poll is over. Uh, you missed out. But hopefully you saw it before. But, but regardless, go ahead and leave us feedback. Let us know what you like and dislike about barrel-aged beers. All right. And if you'd like to contact the show with – comments or questions you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com or on twitter just follow us at tapthecraft 
And of course, Chris wants to interact with you on Facebook at facebook.com slash tap the craft. And we do have a voicemail line. You can contact us at 208-536-3359 or 20853-ODDLY. Leave your questions, comments, your beer, journey, story, whatever you want. We'd love to have you on the air. Speaking and, of that voicemail line, Denny. Yeah. Yeah. We do we are going to be giving away one more set of B cups, I do believe, right? We we do have one more. I haven't decided on what the uh what, what have you decided what the what the entry is going to be for that? Is it going to be voicemails? I think the voicemails is going to be a, a good fun one to go out on with okay. with them. Okay. Uh just because I don't know about you. I I I love when we get voicemails from people. Yes. Yes, I do too. Uh, I love it. And it, yeah, and it's 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 probably one of my favorite things. And even though it's they're very they're very few and far between, I get really excited when I get like a text from you or an email from you. It's like, hey, here's this this uh, <laughs> voicemail we got from so and so, and I'm and I'm like driving down the road and it's blasting through my speakers in the in the car, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is really cool. It's nice to uh, yeah, nice to be able to hear people on the other end as much as you and I get to talk yeah. and discuss beer, get to hear some other people's uh, take on beer or some of the things that they're exploring and enjoying in the uh, craft beer, uh, craft beer journey. Okay. Well, that, that'll be the final uh, contest uh, from this point on leave a voicemail and you will be entered into our final B cups giveaway. Don't, don't want to miss out on this. B cups are great. Uh, just uh, ask uh, 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 Jim and Tara, and uh, I forgot who we gave them all to. Mark Connor, uh, Jim and Tara. Um, uh, who was the uh, second craft one? Craft Beer Joe. Oh, Craft Beer craft Joe beer was the first one. That's right, Craft Beer Joe. Uh, yeah, so those. Yeah, Craft Beer Joe, Jim and Tara, and who was the last? Are we there was no. One I just more. said. I just said Mark Connor. Mark Connor. Okay. Yes. And I'm going to plug something real quick for them. I shared it on our Facebook page, but if you guys use the um, promo code Hoppy Bogo, so H O P P Y B O G O on uh, Fermented Realities website or B Cups website, uh, all outdoor beer cups are buy one, gift one free. Ooh. Wow. So you buy one, you can gift one. To someone else like is that one cup right. or one set of cups uh i would imagine that's one set of cups so if you buy one set of cups you can gift one for free if you're smart about it you can gift one to yourself <laughs> <laughs> all right well you know what do they ship international um that's a good question <laughs> i don't know probably I'd not be willing to, i'd be willing to bet that they do okay um, I'll dig into a little bit of that while we're uh, continuing. Okay, on, because but, I I uh, need to regardless, I need to send a set of B cups to my buddy Ziv. Uh, you know, he lives in a place that is perfect for uh, you know for B cups on the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, drinking beer, you can't have glass out there on the beach, so you, you have B cups, and uh, I need to make sure he can get some B cup action. So let me know if I can ship those international, and how much is going to cost me. <laughs> Um, they are offering, uh, so in their options, when you go to the checkout, there's the options for, uh, shipping internationally. So, okay. All right. I'll have to check it out. 
Yeah. So you'd have to have an address, of course, to yeah. uh, figure that out. Yeah. But. It, it might it might actually cost more than the B cups themselves. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it probably will. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know when your next trip out there is? I don't know. I might not be. Okay. I I only went once this year. I usually go twice a year, but I think I'm, my trip's going to be less and less. So it might be over a year before I get back there. So Here's what I would recommend you do. Go on to bcups.net, buy yourself a set of bcups, mm-hmm. use the promo code HOPPYBOGO, mm-hmm. and when Alex shows up or oh, when yeah. Ziv shows up or you can, you can use them as a mule to send some bcups back to Israel. That is a good idea okay i'll do that thank you thank you you're welcome all right let's get on uh i also just want to thank open forum radio network for supporting the show they provide the hosting space openforumradio.com and if you enjoy the content that chris and i are putting out we know you're going to find some other great content from the following shows thank you so much for listening to tap the craft with denny john and chris Hey, and if you want to check out more great podcasts, check out the Open Form Radio Network over at OpenFormRadio.com. We have such podcasts such as Open Form Radio Proper, Facetious, Geeks for the Win, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gaming Vessels, Slash Attainment, and Conspiracy Otter. Hey, thank you so much for checking out Tap the Craft today, and please leave these fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this great show. Hey, thanks again for listening. All right, now it's time for the Brew Buzz. The Brew Buzz is a vote discussing various beer-related topics, and this week... We are going to discuss the open fermentation process, the history and the facts surrounding this old beer-making process. And this is uh, pretty cool because this wasn't a, wasn't a topic that I came up with myself. Actually, a listener, our good friend, Mr. Uh, Jim Kudzel, he sent an email. And, uh, and let me just go ahead and read the email he sent that kind of uh, got me to you know motivated to do this topic he says tara and i went to syracuse new york this weekend one of the breweries we visited which was middle ages has been around since 1995 and uses open fermentation where the fermenters are open to the air picking up local yeast species in the past we visited shipyard brewing in portland maine on our on the tour they mentioned they also use open fermentation method I understand that Anchor Brewing in San Francisco, California does this as well. I would be interested in this as a brew buzz topic. How does this actually work? Do they rely solely on ambient yeast or is, or is it just supplemental? How do you keep out the undesirable bugs? How does this affect the fermentation process and timing? How do you control consistency? How widespread is the practice? What other breweries of note do this? Wow, Jim. Those are a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. But guess what? I think we can pretty much uh, handle most of them. And, uh, and I, I, I had to do some research. Uh, and I actually did this research uh, before I went on Israel. I actually did, I prepared this topic like two shows ago because I already had two shows topics uh, prepared uh, for the uh, history. And, I to- and so Jim sent me this email like, like a month and a half or two months ago. Uh, so I had time to prepare it, and uh, I, I kind of, uh, uh, in, I, like I said, I, I know about open fermentation, but I didn't know deep down the process involved in it. So I wanted to kind of dig in and, and find out more about it, and I think I did a pretty good job 
of putting together a sequence of of uh you know of 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 what it is and and how it's used and why why it's done and everything that I think our listeners will really enjoy this but i i found uh, i i had three websites that I use mainly for the the content here the first one uh, was an article called the Oxford Companion to Beer Definition of Open Fermentation. Uh, this was found on the Craft Beer and Brewing website. Then there was the Craft Brewing Insights Open Fermentation found on Acre Brewing website. And then Open Fermentation versus Open Fermentation found on the cool. Lost Rhino Brewing website. These are g- some great articles that I'll have in the show notes that if you want to go ahead and read them in f- full length, you can find, you know, read them and, and find out more information. Um, but I thought pulling from these different websites, uh, I was able to get a pretty decent, uh, you know, feel for what open fermentation, up, open fermentation is and the different varieties of it. Uh, and so that, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So, Chris, um, since I just got done talking a little bit, I'll let you go ahead and start off the topic. So why don't you go ahead and start? Here we go. So let's start with the basic definition of open fermentation. Open fermentation is the name given to fermentations that take place in vessels that are open to the environment in which they reside in. Uh, Open fermentations were the traditional method of fermentation before closed or lidded fermentation vessels were introduced. And open fermentation vessels were once used in all breweries for all types of beer, including lagers as well as ales. Today, open fermentations usually take place in specially constructed rooms with smooth, easily clean surfaces, often tiled, to minimize the risk of microbiological contamination, and they must have a good airflow to remove carbon dioxide gas that is given off during the fermentation process. Early fermentation rooms were designed with good natural air extraction, which was later replaced by more sophisticated extraction and air conditioning systems, often including cooling systems for lower temperature lager fermentation or heating systems in breweries in colder climates. Yeah, so that that right there kind of summarizes what open fermentation is. Now, one of the questions that Jim asked that I don't necessarily answer in our you know, in our topic, but I wanted to go ahead and just kind of say now because I, I forgot to like highlight that. Uh, you know, I, I just I just read the questions again. Now it's fresh in my mind, so I realized, you know what? I never really talked about that. Uh, was hey, it? How do you control this open fermentation uh, as you, as you get started? Right, you're opening up this yeast to uh, you know microbiological yeast strains that are, are are open in the atmosphere, but how do you control it? And one of the things I read in, in, in many of the articles that I read on this topic is that a lot of times in modern day open fermentation, so they'll utilize the open fermentation process for the beginning of the, of the process. Get those, get those, uh, those yeast strains into the beer, get them working, and then they'll go ahead and move the beer after a certain amount of time. I don't know the given time, but you know, they'll, they'll get it started. Once they get started, they'll go ahead and move the beer into a closed fermenters so it's kind of like a, a hybrid open fermentation they'll they'll start off with open fermentation and then they'll move it into a, a closed loop so they have more control over the process so they can have consistent beer released uh, over and over so i just want to throw that out because i never i didn't answer that uh, question in the 
you know, in the uh, notes here. So now let's go ahead and talk about why, why use open fermentation? What's the benefit of utilizing open fermentation processes? So many brewers feel that open fermentation has advantages and this may be why it remains relatively common in the UK, Germany, and in Belgium. Now, I, I mean, especially in Belgium, open fermentation is, is a big part of their brewing process. Um, one obvious advantage is a brewer's ability to actually see the fermentation and gauge its process. Yeah, if you have an open vat that you can look into and see what's going on, you can see that this stuff, you know, that, that this action is going on. You can see the foam building on top. You can see that that this is really working. You, you have an open, you know, window right into the fermentation process. So that's one advantage. Uh, the vessels used for open fermentation tend to be broad and shallow. And this shape encourages formation of esters that are often found desirable, especially in beer styles featuring yeast fermentation character, such as vice beer. So again, um, just having the shape of these fermenters. Now, a lot of times these open fermentations are big, giant, rectangular vats that are long and, and you know, they're, they're, they're somewhat wide, but very long and they're shallow. They're shallow within you know, at a max of like three feet, you know, three feet uh, deep. And that uh, process, that the physics and the, uh, and the, uh, uh, you know, the, I don't know. I, I've had a couple too many beers to really talk, but, <laughs> but basically the fact that, you know, uh, the amount of water pressure, you know, fluid pressure that is being exerted on the yeast, especially if they're bottom, fermented yeast like the like the lager yeast is a lot less when you have less fluid on top right so the atmosphere gravity is pressing down on it and uh when there's not that much fluid above it is that hydrostatic pressure is not as great not putting as much stress on those yeast uh cells so the yeast is much happier it can go ahead and produce itself and work in a much happier environment so that's one of the benefits of of utilizing these these type of uh of open vessels. All right. The only thing, the only thing I got to mention is you got to flip flop that the loggers on top, the ales in the bottom, the yeast. No, no lager yeast is bottom. Top fermenting is ale. Is it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. No, that. because because the reason I know that is because top fermenting is a lot. Uh, it's easier, right? It's it's on the top. It's 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 warmer temperatures. You can do it. The bottom uh, fermenting yeast is the L is the lager yeast because it's the one that's slower process because it is at the bottom, and it, and that process is being hampered by all that weight of that fluid on top of it. So it it takes a lot longer for that process to happen. Now, if I'm wrong, John will correct me. We'll have to wait two months from now for him to actually listen before we get corrected. So he's, you know what? No, he, uh, he must be catching up because he mentioned that. Remember that, that text we were talking about earlier. We were talking about ho, ho, ho. Yeah. Oh, that I was, hadn't even, oh, yeah, I hadn't even listened to the, ep yeah, I hadn't yeah. even listened to that episode yet. <laughs> he's caught up. Amazing. Good yeah. job, John. Good job. All right. So top fermenting ale yeasts often form a thick floating mat on top of the liquid towards the end of fermentation. Open fermentation allows the easy collection of that yeast, which tends to be healthy and, and unencumbered by dead cells and protein sediment. You were right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, the vitality of open ferment 
fermenting yeast has long been noted and it forms the basis for the famed Burton Union fermentation system. Now, I was going to have a side note that talked about what the, that is. I'll have to talk about that later because I forgot to add it into my notes. But it's a, it's a, you know, a common used fermentation method uh, that's that was uh, designed in in, uh, in England. Uh, so finally, let it be noted that open fermentation is not without charm. Many brewers have found themselves enjoying a zen-like collection of floating islands of yeast off the surface of a vat of beer, deftly using a special, specially made slotted paddle to lift the thick foam. For brewers, such ancient, pra ancient practices tend to make for a pleasantly quiet moments in often hectic days. So in reality, just going out there and watching this, this yeast foam, you know, acquire on the top and then going ahead and, and getting the spoon and just kind of like moving this foam along the top it's like of the a surface. Zen garden. It's like a Zen garden, right? It's like a, it's like a Japanese Zen garden. That you take a rake and you're going and making things. So, hey, what brewer doesn't deserve to have a Zen garden experience? I thought that was pretty cool. Well, you get beer and a Zen-like experience yeah, all at the same yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's talk about the fermentation process. Uh, the fermenta fermentation is an integral part of the brewing process. Fresh wort from the brew house is placed into vats or tanks, and yeast is added. The yeast consumes the sugars in the wort and converts them into ethanol and carbon dioxide, and along the way generates heat and multiplies exponentially. In today's modern brewing, fermenters are typically enclosed stainless steel tanks wherein the entire process takes place. Carefully managed yeast strains are employed and temperatures are controlled. Before the advent of modern metals, beer was fermented in tanks or vats of various configurations, mostly made of wood. Some were lined with copper or otherwise sealed, and all were either open to the air or vented for pressure relief. Mm -hmm. And some breweries, mostly Belgian, relied on wide, shallow, open fermenters to capture wild, airborne yeast. Others left their fermenters open to facilitate cooling, CO2 venting, or to allow access for a variety of production processes and procedures. And as much as they, as much as we like to use that stainless steel tank and stuff now, there's still plenty of, plenty of breweries in the, just here in the United States that like to use that, those old school methods of yeah. those wooden tanks. Yeah. Fooders, right? They have fooders, those, yep. yeah. Yeah. Fooders are a big, uh, uh, and depending on if the fooder is on its side, uh, again, uh, if it's vertical, it's going to put that more pressure on, on the yeast. But if they, if it's on a side, now you've got that it's not as much pressure being put down on it and spread over the width of the of that mm -hmm. uh, barrel too so yeah i mean i listened to bruvana or birvana's uh podcast when he went to uh, belgium and talked to the belgian brewer that has been trying to uh re reinvigorate the 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 old school Belgian brewing ways and his brewery kind of falls a lot of those ways and he explained exactly in detail the effect that these things have on the yeast and his whole motto or mantra is healthy yeast is is great beer right you got to have strong healthy yeast to have that good quality beer and to keep those that yeast happy 
you can't be, put them under too much stress, right? Stressed yeast makes bad beer. And that mm-hmm. is so true because so many off flavors are coming from the yeast, not from contamination and stuff, right? If your yeast right. is stressed out, it's going to give you those bad off flavors. Just like I heard in, in culinary school when it came to baking, and I've heard many brewers say this, you keep the yeast happy, your beer's better. That's right. That's right. That's that's absolutely true. Or your bread's better. <laughs> yeah, your bread. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, in the beginning of open fermentation, let's talk in the beginning. Uh, in an era of preceding, or in an era preceding mechanical refrigeration, basically before around 1900, lager breweries would run the hot wort from the brew house into wide, shallow pans to facilitate cooling before moving it to the actual fermenter. These, quote, cool ships were much the same as the Belgian open fermenters and were adopted by the pioneering breweries of the gold rush years in California, including Anchor Brewing. The main difference between that and the American brewers is that they added their own yeast and a wide surface area served the principal purpose of radiating off the heat generated by fermentation. So this is a way that they were able to, uh, you know, to cool the, cool the wort when they bring it in and also cool the beer as it was generating this heat from the, from the fermentation process. So these open vats, um, you know, we'll talk about, I mean, Chris is going to talk about the, the, the coming of this, the steam beer, uh, here in the next segment, but, uh, by doing this, by cooling this beer, uh, not only from the wort into the fermentation process, but during the fermentation process, you know, it gives off that heat. And that's uh, pretty important. So the German-style lager breweries in the eastern part of the United States cooled their fermentations with ice, harvested from frozen lakes and ponds during the winter months, and stored in ice houses for use throughout the year. Ice was not available to the early brewers in California because of the temperate climate and they had to improvise. So Chris, let's talk about this improvision. Actually, let's talk about Anchor Brewing steam beer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And today, Anchor Brewing is the only American brewery that still employs open fermentation on a production scale. Although they have modern brewing equipment and their fermenters are made of stainless steel, they have kept this process as part of our brewing heritage. Anchor uses the cool ship configuration fermenters for their signature Anchor steam beer, which uses a lager yeast. The shallow depth and wide surface area of these vessels serve much the same purpose as their historical versions did, which is to radiate off the heat generated by the fermentation. Although radiant cooling does not bring the temperature down as far as would be ideal for the standard lager, Higher fermentation temperatures are an integral component of the traditional and historical processes of brewing Anchor steam beer. Anchor's ale fermenters are of a somewhat different design. While they are still open, they are essentially square and much deeper than the cool ship. And as such, they have far less exposed surface area for the volume of wort being fermented. Ale fermentation temperatures are higher than those of lagers, so there is no need for radiant cooling. Since these fermenters are open to the air, Anchor has to maintain a very high standard of industrial hygiene in the brewery. Ales and lagers employ different yeasts and are fermented in separate enclosed rooms that are ventilated with filtered air. As each brew is finished, the fermenter is thoroughly cleaned and sanitized before the next cycle. 
Like many traditional processes, open fermentation involves much more time and attention than one might expect. Even though it does take a bit more work, Hanker Brewing believes that open fermentation is a tradition well worth maintaining. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that, uh, like, like it already said, Anchor Brewing is, is like a production-scale brewery that still uses this as their daily uh, you know, production method of fermentation for the steam mm-hmm. beer. And I actually had uh, the steam beer on my way to Israel. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, having a beer before the, the flight, and I was like, you know what? They have Anchor Steam Beer. I haven't had that for a while. I'm going to go ahead and that and... I'll tell you what, it's a, it's a it's a really good beer. I really enjoy that beer. It really is. Yeah. It's a good solid beer. Yeah. Uh it's a California common, right? Yeah, yeah, same yeah. thing. California common, steam beer, same same beer. Now I want to uh, we had a we had a uh, a show a couple years ago now that talked about the difference between open fermentation and spontaneous fermentation and what the differences are. So um because they're very similar in what they are, but but they're handled in a little bit of different cases. I thought we'd go ahead and talk about the again, once again, the difference between open fermentation and spontaneous fermentation because they are the same, but they are different. And that's where I uh, I had that article that says open fermentation versus open fermentation. It's basically <laughs> saying that you can have open fermentation with a controlled yeast uh, introduction, and you can have open fermentation with an uncontrolled yeast fermentation and that's what we're going to talk about now this between the wild spontaneous and just the regular open so in one style of open fermentation unfermented beer is added to the fermenter but brewer's yeast is not added instead unfermented beer is exposed to the air overnight during the period of exposure wild yeast and bacteria bacteria that are naturally in the air inoculate the unfermented beer and provide the foundation for fermentation normally provided by brewer's yeast. Now remember, in a typical beer, brewer's yeast eats the sugar in the sweet unfermented beer and produces alcohol and CO2, and without yeast, we cannot make beer. That's very important. Mm-hmm. So this process is very slow, taking anywhere from several weeks to several years. Part of the reason for this long fermentation is due to the nature of the fermentation. With so many strains of bacteria and yeast, it takes time for all those microbes to do their work. In fact, typically, what occurs is one strain of bacteria or yeast will have a surge of activity and then fall asleep, followed by another strain surging and then going dormant and so on until all the microbes have done their work. So really, the act of doing the spontaneous open fermentation uh, it could take a long time just based on the types of microbes that are in and yeast that are in the air that may react differently uh, through the process. So it's very interesting. Now, the other kind of ferment, open fermentation relies on two unique aspects of the open fermenter. The first one, easy access to oxygen in the air. And the second, the geometry of the fermenter itself. So brewer's yeast needs oxygen for its activities and having an ample supply nearby can help yeast do its job. As for the shape, tank geometry actually impacts yeast performance. A short and wide open fermenter induces yeast to produce a fruitier profile in the beer. Why isn't all fermentation wild? 
And after learning about both kinds of fermentation, you're probably asking yourself, well, why wouldn't all of those wild strains of yeast and bacteria still get in and affect the beer in the second style of open fermentation? The reality is that with an open fermentation utilizing brewer's yeast, there is always the threat of contamination from outside microbes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, however, brewer's yeast starts doing its job so quickly and vigorously that enough CO2 is being produced to push away any airborne microbes that might be nearby, effectively creating a buffer zone against outside contaminants. There you go. That's a good thing to know. Yeah. Uh, additionally, once fermentation slows down and with that, a large decline in CO2 production, the beer is transferred to a closed fermenter. At Lost Rhino, we utilize the second kind of open fermentation. There are a number of beers we produce in our open fermenter. In terms of regularly available beers, both our Kolsch and Hefeweizen are fermented in the open fermenter. In addition, we have produced both 2,200 pounds of Sin, which is our barley wine, and Woody Stout in our open fermenter. Yeah. That's kind of interesting because um, I've had some funky stouts before. And mm -hmm. I'll, well, again, that's just, that's just me with not always liking the funky beers, but yeah. I wasn't a big fan of that one. So. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was... Interesting, right? Because that's the big question is how do you control open fermentation? If you're open to the atmosphere, you're going to be open to having those external mi microbes, you know, bacteria cause an effect. But again, in most of the open fermentations that are trying to use a controlled method with brewer's yeast, they're going to have filters that keep out the bad bacteria, the wild bacteria. And they're only going to, you know, focus on introducing their their yeast, their brewer's yeast, to take control of that. So they have control of the beer. It's going to come out the same way every time, as long as they keep out the, you know, filter out the bad stuff, and then have their active yeast being able to produce and protect the beer from the outside stuff. So you can still have open fermentation benefits without the wild character added. So, okay. Yeah. Pr pretty interesting. All right. So now. Jim mentioned a few breweries that you can find some open fermentation beers, and I went ahead and just grabbed a few more that uh, that I found online. So starting off, uh, uh, I'll just list a few and, and, and might list a couple beers. Most of these, they're either doing all their beers this way, or they you know, or or they might have one or two. Uh, but like El Apothecary, which is out of Bend, Oregon, um, all their beers are done in open fermentation. Uh, Allagash. Uh, they have uh, a lot of their beers, uh, too many to really list each one, but uh, Allagash out of Maine, they, they have a lot of theirs are open fermentation. Anchorage Brewing, um, they have a crappy website, so it's hard to tell which beers are which, <laughs> but I think most of, I, mean, I, think, I think they do most of their beers with, I don't know if they do open fermentation, but I think they do most of their beers with open fermentation, but again, I couldn't tell from the website. Um, the Guard Brewing, uh, Close to, I think they're out of Tillamook, Oregon. All their beers are open fermentation. Hill Farmstead, uh, they have a beer uh, that's called Being in Time that's open fermented. Uh, Jester King out of uh, Austin, Texas, or Texas, all their beers are done with open fermentation. Jolly Pumpkin, all their beers are done in uh, open fermenters. And I think Jolly Pumpkin's out of Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. 
Uh, Logston Farmhouse Ales, they have a, a, a series of open fermentation beers. Uh, the Spontane Wild, the Continental, the Spontane Blanc, the Spontane Syrah, and the Diamond Princess. Again, you can kind of tell there's some wine, uh, you know, wine yep. character in there, right? They got a lot of wine country in that area. Lost Rhino, we already mentioned, the Final Glide Hef, the Meridian Kolsch, the Sin Barley Wine, and the Woody Stout. Uh, New Glarus has one, the Raspberry Tart, which I've had, which is really good. And in Oxbow Brewing, um, they have their beer called Open Air. All right. Anything else, Chris, you want to mention about open fermentation? Um, it was really cool to know that, that uh, because as soon as I heard open fermentation, I immediately thought funky beer. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of cool to know that uh, that was even mentioned uh, a couple sections. It, it, just because it's open fermented doesn't mean it makes it funky. That's right. Which is, is it's very good to know because, uh, like I said, if I was to hear open fermentation, I immediately think wild ales. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's, uh, maybe that would stop. Well, not stop, but it would uh, make me, it would help me with my beer choices a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. All right, Chris. Well, you know what? We have been chatting for a long time. It's going to be over a two-hour show. So our lo- listeners who like long shows will be very happy. Our listeners who like short shows will be very unhappy. <laughs> but before we finish this show off, it is a chance to go ahead and raise a glass to people we like to raise a glass to. So, Chris, who would you like to give a toast to tonight? So I would love to raise a glass to my awesome wife, Megan, for my Advent beer calendar. <laughs> yeah. When- <laughs> regardless of if it was nine days into the month when she uh, <laughs> she popped a surprise and she was like, hey, by the way, you see all that beer over there? <laughs> uh, so it, it, it's really the that that's an amazing thing for me. And it's uh, it was awesome. So cheers to you, babe. I, I, I love the fact that you did that. And it gets all of my beers tonight were from uh, all my new and noteworthy beers were from that advent calendar. Sweet. All right, Denny, what about you? Who would you like to raise a glass to? Yeah, I've got a couple. Um, the first the first glass I'm going to raise is to a total stranger. Uh, his name is Rich, and he and I sat next to each other on the flight from Boise to San, Fr- San Francisco, and he was on his way to Australia for work. Of course, I was on my way to Israel for work, and uh, and, and we, were, we started chatting, and I... We, you know, talked for the last, you know, two hour trip and uh, learned about all of his travels around the world and trying beer in different places. And I was like, you know, amazed. And then, uh, you know, we, we also talked about a lot of the beer scene here in Bo- in the Boise area. And, and he's, you know, been drinking beer for a long time. He's, he's not a youngin. Uh, I'm not a youngin either. We're about the same age. But uh, I had a great conversation with him and he bought me a beer. Not only did he buy me a beer on the plane so we can drink and chat together, um, but I, I went and, and saw, you know, I asked what, what beer selection they have. And I said, well, we have a Legion uh, Space Dust. I said, oh, I'll take the Legion Space Dust. And then he says, oh, yeah, that's a great beer. I'll have that one too. And she says, oh, we're all out. And so he let me take the last Legion Space Dust beer. And uh, he took, uh, he decided to take a, a whiskey or a bourbon. I think he took a bourbon and, and uh, instead. Uh, which was nice, but we had a good conversation. I want to raise my glass to you, Rich. Um, you know, I did, I did give him our business card. Uh, I'm hoping he's listening to the show. If he is, then uh, cheers to you. Thank you 
for uh, giving us a listen and for the beer and for the great conversation that we had. Uh, I appreciate that. And I also have to raise my glass to my buddy Ziv Cohen. Uh, as I already mentioned, he, prov- you know, we had some great time together. Uh, he also bought my meal that day too, which was not- he didn't need to do that. He needed to buy my meal. That was uh, above and beyond. But you know, providing the the three beers of his homebrew, uh, it's very special. And I really appreciate that we have this friendship. You know, even after uh, you know we no longer work together. Uh, you know, we're still holding on to this friendship, and I really appreciate that. So cheers to you, Ziv. And my last toast goes to you, Chris, because on Wednesday is your birthday. So happy birthday to you, buddy. Cheers, and may there be many, 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 many more. Well, thank you, Denny. Yes. Yes. Are you, you got any big plans for your birthday? Uh, the day after, we're supposed to go to a concert. Nice. The, um, <clears throat> an acoustic performance of two of the folks from the band sister Hazel at one of my favorite venues okay. here in Tampa. So that's what we're going to be doing from my birthday evening. Uh, All right. The next day. Sweet. All and right. then I just found out we're going to Disney again. again. Oh, you know what? Uh, I meant to ask you, so you've been going to Disney a lot. Have you had a chance to go on that new, oh, wait, is the new Disney, uh, that, that new star Wars Disney, is that in, Disney World or Disneyland? That's in Hollywood. That's well, they, oh. that's in Hollywood Studios, but they do. I believe they have one out in California as well. Oh, okay. So we have one here in Florida, and then there's one out in California. Okay, so you don't have the Disney Star Wars thing yet. Yeah, we do. Oh, you do have it. Yeah. But did you go to it? I did. Oh well, what? Well, tell me about it. Was well, it great? I mean, I met Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't spoil anything for anyone that hasn't gone. But no, go. I mean, was it, was it worth? Was it worth the wait? I've I've heard that people had to wait like two and a half hours in line to get into this thing. Okay, so here's here's the thing. Um, they just opened a new ride. I heard pretty recently. I, I don't follow it too closely, but they just did, did just open a new ride. Um, and I heard that they may be kind of like slowly letting people in because the influx of people has been so great to go in there and try out these new rides. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a ride. I honestly don't remember what it was called, but you're basically riding on the millennium Falcon uh, smugglers run. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Not that you've been looking at it. Jeez. Um, <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard people talk about this stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was a fantastic ride. And the cool part was, is that when we got there, there was a, I think like a 75, 80 minute wait to get on this ride. The cool part about Disney is they have single rider lines. So Megan and I just got on the single rider lines and waited 20 minutes and got on it. Well, what does a single rider I mean? One so, person? That just yeah, kinda... so, yeah. Yeah. So I got into the ride with um, a family of four. Uh, <laughs> so, so the, how it worked is the, the smugglers run ride was there. There's six seats. Okay, so it was a family of five. There's six seats, uh, and it was two of you are the pilots, two of you are the gunners, and two of you are the engineers. So while you're in the ride, there's buttons all around you, and when the buttons light up, you have to hit them in certain (laughs) patterns to do what you're... Yeah, it is, and it's like you're following along, but it's a. will text you the, uh, the video from it that I took while I was inside of it, and it was a lot of fun, but it was nice because... 
it was 20 minutes. You oh. walk in, you get wow. on, and everybody else is waiting in line because they're going to ride. They want to ride it together yeah. with you know their family. Yeah. This was just a random family that I got on with them <laughs> and they get on and, the, and the, like the two kids are the pilots, mom and mom or the two kids are the pilots. One of the other kids and the dad are the gunners and the mom and myself were the engineers. And we're like, yeah, we're back here fixing stuff. And it was like, <laughs> you make new friends for 10 minutes. You go blow up some stuff and you, know, you go on to the next ride. Uh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I, I didn't realize they had, but it makes sense, right? If you're not going to be able to fill all the seats, then have some people that can fill in for the empty spots and then it goes quicker. So it was a lot of fun. And we did that. We, we do that pretty often when we do go to like, uh, I think even universal studio. Yeah. Universal studios even has single rider lines. So it's, it's rides that have, you know, 60, 70, 80 minute waits, yeah. if not longer. And like you go get in the single rider lines, you wait 20 minutes and you get to go ride the ride. Yeah. And, and normally, if there's just two of you or three of you, you know, you get on and like the, you know, when a, like a, like a roller coaster, if that was what you were riding, mm-hmm. you, you'd, you'd get on, I would ride roller coaster one and then the next roller coaster would take the next person and then the next roller coaster would take the next person. So you wait an extra 10 minutes while you're sitting out there waiting for everybody to go through and you're, you're good. Okay. Are you a big star Wars nerd, Denny? Uh, I, I'll just say this. Um, I have seen every Star Wars in the theater from the time the first one was released. So, oh. uh, I, I'm not a big nerd, but I I have not missed a Star Wars movie in the theater, and I'll see this next one coming out. Even though I didn't like the last, like uh, Episode Eight, mm-hmm. I didn't like Episode Eight. I thought they did a crappy job with that. I'll still go see Episode Nine during the Christmas break. Um, because it's Star Wars, and I've seen every single Star Wars in the theater. I haven't missed a well, single Star Wars in the theater. Yeah, if I, and I know uh, Kevin Page has been, I swear that dude's been in Disney like every day. He lives there. He lives <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, it's like my friend Andrea. Her husband uh, flies flies flaming kites at Epcot, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, if you guys get the chance to go to Hollywood Studios, uh, definitely go check that out. Because it, it's a cool experience. Like you walk down the street and... I I was talking smack to stormtroopers mm-hmm. and like the, the lieutenant comes over and he goes and he starts like talking smack back to you. So it's <laughs> like, all right, so I can, I can, uh, I can harass you guys and, and, you know, mess with you. And a good part is, is, um, uh, Tina and Manny, friends of ours, uh, a friend of theirs. So a friend of a friend, uh, named John Love, John actually works for Disney and he built things like uh, inside the stormtroopers um, uh, uniform. There's buttons inside the fingers, and he actually built those systems where you press the buttons inside the fingers, and the stormtrooper outfit says things. Mm. So it's like, oh, halt, civilian, come back here, and stuff like that. So ah. it, it's really neat. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, nice. Yeah, we, we need to go for sure. And Sarah's a big sci-fi nut. She's like way bigger than for that than I am. I, I enjoy sci-fi, um, but I'm not, I mean, I could take it or leave it. She's like all into all sci-fi and all superhero stuff. She's like a big giant nerd. So <laughs> we work well together, but yeah, yeah. we want, we want to go see the, I think I, I need to see the, some of that star Wars stuff when we go, but when we come visit you guys, we'll have to go to Orlando and do some smuggler run. Yeah. Well, Megan's, Megan's cousin is like a, 
I don't know if she's like officially, but she works through a company and she's kind of like a travel agent for Disney stuff. Oh, and she gets us. She sets everything up for us. Like all of our fast passes are taken care of. All of our dining plans are taken care oh, of. Wow. Like we we basically just go, hey, here's what we want to do. And she goes, OK, here's what it's going to cost. We send her a credit card and you know, <laughs> it's and, all set up for us. And that's like every weekend. It seems like you're there. Uh, yeah. So we were there. <laughs> Yeah, so this this next one is uh, mid January. I think oh, okay. we're gonna be there. Okay, so you got time between. Yeah, last one. Yeah. All right. Well, good to know. Good to know. All right. Well, hey, um, where are we at? Oh yeah. Uh, being a former serviceman, I just want to raise my glass to all those that are out there protecting our freedoms. Thank you for your service and for your sacrifices. And please return home safely to your families very soon. And Chris, why don't you go ahead and raise a glass to our sponsor? Sure. And I want to raise a glass to B Cups, the supplier of outdoor craft beer cups, for partnering up with us. And I encourage our listeners to go visit their site at bcups.net. That's B-C-U-P-S.net. Or you can go check out the other things that they have going on at fermentedreality.com and check out the world's first full line of style-specific plastic beer cups for people on the go. Whether you're hanging out on the beach, by the pool, hiking in the wilderness, or even enjoying some time on the boat, B-Cups are great for any place you can't use standard glassware. And remember, you can use their promo code HOPPYBOGO right now, and you can buy one, gift one for free. Go also visit our friends at Tavor. You can at Tavor.com, you can use the promo code TAPTHECRAFT, which is all one word, and it will give any new user a $10 credit after they spend $25. Excellent. Don't forget to enter into our B-Cups last B-Cups contest. Just leave us a voicemail and you'll be entered in to win a set of B-Cups, a set of four. Leave those voicemails. And you can find the beers and the links to the articles mentioned in the show in the show notes located on the show post at openforumradio.com. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Screw. And Chris, how can our listeners follow you? So you can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore McKenzie 82, or you can find me on untapped and Instagram at MCK one, three, four, five. And you can always interact with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash tap the craft. All right. It is last call time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening. And we ask you to please tell a friend and of course, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher radio, tune in Google play, and of course, now on Spotify or however you, you listen to your podcast. And as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers.